You are now listening to the Woke From Home podcast. Woke From Home can be found on all streaming platforms, so please rate, review, share, and subscribe. Also find us on Twitter at Woke From Home or on IG at Woke From underscore home. Now sit back and let's start the pod. Good morning, Yo, what's going on, people? It's another episode of Woke From Home. This is Eugene with my people, Toya and Siba. What's going on? Yo, what's going on? Another numbers, man. You know, another week, another dollar. That's it. You know, yeah. that's, all, that, that's all it is, man. Another COVID. Yeah, another week of no COVID over here. So we got the uh, essential oils going again. So <laughs> And the diffuser. <laughs> yeah. You already know, we're bringing on another guest. Uh, a close friend of Toyin's, Alice Fry. She came here to join us to, to, to knock out some topics with us. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's good to be here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad to uh, have you on. Before we start, we always want to get a little like intro, like where are you from, where you went to school at, and also if you are registered to vote. <laughs> I, got some, I, I got an update on that front, by the way. <laughs> okay, for sure, registered to vote. Yes, very grateful for that. I'm originally from Louisville, Kentucky, but I oh. lived in Waco. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Louisville, hot button. Okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it runs deep. <laughs> um, but I've lived in Texas for a long time. I've lived in Waco since I was like 15. And so still there, still working. I'm a social worker, do crisis counseling. Yeah, I went to Baylor with Toyin. Yeah, so that's how we know each other. Okay, completely very different people now, you know. A completely different. <laughs> wow, could not hey, be man. more Has- different. Hashtag oh, growth. <laughs> yeah, but we don't know what direction that growth is going. Sorry, I think it's been in a positive direction. Okay, bro, can you imagine being like a better person ten years ago than today? Like, holy <laughs> shit! Man. Um, I think so- that. I am in some ways, and maybe not in others. <laughs> That's Stop. what I'm talking about. Stop. Stop. <laughs> we're, hopefully, we're all better people in all avenues. Again, I, if we all keep it all the way 100, all the way real, there's probably some things I used to do 10 mm. years ago that I probably should pick back up again <laughs> right now. But, but I'm happy with where I am right now. I'm happy with who nice. I am. That's what's no up. growth is linear. No growth is linear. That's true. Uh, Siba, what was your update for us? Uh, so, you know, I was tired of Instagram reminding me to register. Okay. Tired of all the people in my DMs asking if I was registered, sending me all these effing... How to do it? Bruh, it was wild. My sister tagged me on, on like one of those... So do you know how to register? Like, come on, man, relax. <laughs> relax, relax. I will say this, because I waited... I did have to go and buy a stamp for the first time in my adult life. And wow. that shit sent me back $11. Yeah. So, bro, no, no, I had to buy a book because nobody, nobody sells single stamps. So I had to yeah, buy a that- book of stamps. So I got 20 stamps for $11. I will never use stamps again. So if you, wanna, uh, you want some stamps, get, get at me. But yeah, you yeah. do know that if you go to the post office and you get Who the- went to the post office? But if you got your voter registration card from there, no postage is required because it's automatically on there. Damn. Damn. Do I even have a post? Like, listen, man, I'm in the city, man. There's no post office around. So then where did you buy stamps from? Yeah, there is. Walgreens. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh... why you couldn't get a single stamp. (laughs) (laughs) I went to Walgreens. Get out here misinformed. People are... People don't be misinformed. You can still get single stamps at the post office, but not at Walgreens. Who goes to the post office? Like, honestly... Plenty people of that people. have to mail package like lots of people. Be able okay, to Toy, uh, you, you got to stop. You, Toy, you got to stop slapping your desk. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you know what? I do need to stop doing that. Bruh, it's like, so loud. It's like, it's like, you, it's like you're a battle rapper. <laughs> no. Get it all out. Another time. Okay. <laughs> and another time. <laughs> my little time. <laughs> Uh, all right, man. That's Miss Manina. All right. <laughs> all, right, all, right, all, right, all, right. all right, Gene. All right, Gene, it's on you. All right, y'all. So uh, we had some interesting things that happened over the course of the last time we dropped the episode. Trump, quote unquote, COVID gate. 
it is COVID gate because we're still not sure if it's a yeah. hoax. No, man, we are sure. This man had COVID. You, he had COVID? Had. Don't he you have it? He has. He has. He has COVID. Are we sure? Yes. All right. We are uh, sure. Let, 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 let's let our guests weigh in on this first. Alice, tell us what, mm. what, what do you think about this whole COVID gate is what I'm going to call it. <laughs> what do you think of, like, does he have it? Uh, what kind of effect do you think it has had, like, on the bigger picture of, like, the election? Like, just anything in between that? Mm. I mean, I think it makes him look bad that he got it. And then so many people hmm. around him got it. It was like people hmm. were dropping, like, flies. It doesn't hmm. help his political stance at all for him to get it. Now, I think what's Preach. frustrating, but I do think that there's an argument to be made about the fact that He's over it now. He's better. Don't be afraid of it. So, I mean, I just need more evidence to hear that it's a hoax. Like, I just need, I need someone to explain to me why they think it's a hoax. Alice just did air, air quotes. I can explain, I, I can explain why some people feel that it's a hoax. Yes, please. Do All right, let's hear it, okay, please. Because... So here's what I've seen on the interwebs of mm -hmm. people explaining. Basically, there are a lot of people that feel that Trump is really grasping at the straws to show strength. So after the last debate, obviously there was not po a lot of positive reaction to that uh, in terms of how he performed in the debate. But then also, so some people said that, oh, he manufactured this COVID scenario so that he could shift the debate so he could avoid doing the, the next debate that are already scheduled. So that's what some people said. Other people think that he got it specifically so that he could say he got over it so that he could prove that COVID is not a big deal so that he could push people to want to reopen at full capacity, restore faith in his administration. Because even in the tweet that he's been tweeting, he said he has one tweet that he put out that says like, don't, it was not that big deal, big of a deal. COVID don't let it run your life. Like he's mm -hmm. already been tweeting that kind of messaging. Mm -hmm. Um, and so basically people are saying that, oh, he's just saying that he has it so that he could miraculously recover from it, have very minimal impact and damage. And so therefore it makes him look stronger um, and like minimizes the whole COVID conversation because people are getting fatigued of doing the right thing, like masking, social distancing, like people are getting, are fatigued. Nobody wants to do that anymore. Everybody wants to move on. And I think that's the sentiment among a lot of different groups of people and so that's why a lot of people think that he that he made it up. But I think that he has it because like a lot of people in the White House have been getting it. So that's a big gamble. So, so OK, so eh, it uh, is, uh, but it's Donald Trump. So, I mean, all right. <laughs> look, here's the thing. Whether he has it or he doesn't have it, he's wrong on this issue. And I think that's what's bearing out in the in the like the national conversation. Uh, he had a terrible debate. CNN has had it as the worst debate of all time. Right. And then he he then has the taxes situation pop up, which, you know, because of when we recorded, we weren't able to talk about that last week. But that tax situation was really hanging hanging on him. Right. And then you have the the, the covid itself. Right. Like, if we know who this guy is, who 45 is, if strength is what he's conveying, this dude was on literally a ventilator. Like, he needed oxygen, right? He could not breathe. When he... No, no, he could not breathe. Because when he came out, when he was released, or quote-unquote released, he got up on that thing yesterday, bro. Them shoulders were by the ears. You know what I mean? Like, on national television. Like, he was breathing... Like somebody who was about to get their ass whooped. Man. Like it was, but but my, my thing is this is that whatever message he was trying to convey, I think it's falling flat simply because too many people know too many people that have been directly affected by COVID. 35,000 uh, airline personnel have been furloughed or let go this week. Yeah. You know what I mean? We American, get news. Right? Yeah. All of them, just across all of them. So American, Delta, just everybody uh, here but have been have been let go. 208,000 people have died from COVID, five times the number of people who have died from the flu in that time span. So in eight months, five times the people have died from COVID than have died from the flu in the last five years, right? So, and then on top of that, Trump was on a steroid, on an experimental drug. He was on a cocktail of, he was on a cocktail of antibiotics that have not been, 200 people were tested for what? what this guy was taking, uh, quote unquote, compassionate care. Number one, 
you, listener, will never get the level of care that Trump just got oh. to be able to walk out the hospital. You know what I mean? In like that's days. so. So for him to come to come on TV and to tweet and to say what he's saying about, hey, we can beat this. First of all, we don't all get to go to Walter Reed. Nope. Right. When we get this, we don't all get to go to Walter Reed. Honest, literally, it's it is a it's, it's a roll of the dice to figure out: Are you going to be symptomatic or asymptomatic? Okay, I'm symptomatic. Am I going to have the, the, the flu-like symptoms or am I going to have the I can't move, my body feels like it's shaking or hurting every time somebody touches me? Or guess what? Am I about to have to be admitted to the hospital, right? Too many people have, have died for him to speak about COVID the way that he's, he's speaking about it. And so that's, that's why, one, I think that this is not a hoax. He actually had it. But because he's a dumbass, he doesn't know how to because there's a way that he could have used this whole experience to bring the country together. Like, oh. oh shit, I got this, yo. This thing is real. Like I'm the president. Everybody around me is tested. I'm tested. You know what I mean? These are the things, this is where we went wrong. Y- y'all don't do this. You know what I mean? Instead, he's going the other route saying, oh, listen, it's no big deal if you have access to the best medical care in the country and experimental drugs and so on and so forth. So when we read the story of 2020 and how Trump is moving, I honestly believe that this guy uh, doesn't care what happens on election day because whatever happens, he's going to fight it. Well, will voters, I get, I see what you're saying, and I agree with you, right? But will voters, the people that would vote for Trump, will they have this, you know, connect? Will they have the memory or the attention span to keep all these events connected to one another in order to? To basically understand that this this guy is not a good fit for the presidential seat. I don't think so, because even whenever I was uh, looking at some of the tweets today from talking about Trump and having COVID and everything like that, some of the immediate reactions to that were, well, I thought masks were supposed to protect you. So y'all are saying masks don't work, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, when did he wear that? No, but because another person, because another person tweeted about being in the same um, environment and getting a test because they were in the same environment where right. that huge SCOTUS event that where everybody was shaking hands and hugging and not, no one was wearing masks and they were wearing a mask and people were like, okay, make up your minds, liberals. Do the masks work or do they not work? This was the immediate response that um, some some conservative voters were having. I feel like are the are voters going to have the memory and attention span required in November to say, oh yeah, 45 he didn't pay his taxes or doesn't pay taxes. 45 had COVID, all these people died, all these people got fired. And even on that, uh, the comment about everybody having someone that is affected by it, I don't think that all of these people that would be voters for Trump uh, would blame that on coronavirus itself versus the over what they feel is the overreaction to coronavirus. You know what I'm saying? I don't think they would right. as like, oh, this is a direct result of the mismanagement of this right. pandemic. They would see it as the liberals kept us down too long. We kept the economy closed too right. long. And therefore, right. all these jobs were lost in X, Y, Z. Yeah, go ahead, Alice. I mean, the, I just it's very upsetting to me when science and basic medical advice has become this liberal versus conservative. It is, it's, you're right. It's so toxic. Like he had an opportunity to really bring the country together and to rely on basic masks. They work, but because it's become like, it's a liberal thing to wear a mask. What? (laughs) It's so devastating. Yeah. Just to go back, like I am, I get the side of people not believing it. And even though like all this, everything makes sense with, what everybody's saying, but I get that other side of why people won't believe it because you have a president that's they debunk he debunks anything and everything that comes out of media that's that's not for him, and I think because of like we're not talking about how trash his debate is, you're not talking about his taxes, you're not talking about the potential judge that he's looking to be put on, we're not talking about him him just actually campaigning like everything was halt because of this COVID. And everybody like so much speculation. You can I get why people think that this is fake, just so he can protect himself from the buffoonery that he put on last week. I just like he even now I remember he tweeted something about wanting to protect pre-existing conditions. When has he ever 
When has he ever been for that? <laughs> He's never been for that until last, until he got. But Zip Boy don't have, he don't have no plans. He don't yeah. have no plans. <laughs> Come on, man, Look. this is it's too much. Like Look, this, this this is what I'll say about Trump. Who I you know I hate saying his name, but it's like so many people have written about like the, his brilliance as a politician or like someone who's tapping into the like who who just came into the political arena with no experience. Blah, 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 blah. Like we know the story, but like when I think about situations like what we're in right now, right? Like Trump is not a great politician by any stretch. What Trump is is somebody who understands that forty five percent of this country is racist. Like that's it. And if I can just tap into that. I have a floor, right? Mm -hmm. So this floor is this population that's just like whatever. And then there's like people who, like we talked about last week, who, who their whole mission is the the Supreme Court, right? So if you can get that other five, ten percent of people who care about this one thing and speak to them, then that's that. the 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 problem with what's happening here with the coronavirus is that there's really, in my opinion, there's really no good way for him to spin this in a way that makes him kind of appeal to the to, to the things that got him elected, right? Because he called it a hoax. Okay, then why are you being airlifted to the hospital? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, why are you being airlifted? Why, like, we're literally watching you, right, on video talking to us, having to take deep breaths, right? Like, we know that this thing got, you know what I mean? We know what you've been taking to make yourself feel better. We know that the, 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 the steroid that you're, that's why, like, when I, like, look at everything that's happened here, it's not, I don't think that it's a hoax, but, but I will say that it is effective in distracting us from all the things that you were just mentioning, Gene. Like, yo, look, we're not talking about the taxes or the debate performance or the stimulus package that you just halted. We're not talking about any of that shit. We're talking about this virus that we should have been talking about six months ago. You know what I mean? And so like, in, while I don't think that it's a, a hoax, I do see how it could be effective. And just to go on to another topic nobody's been talking about is the whole the VP debate that's supposed to happen in Kamala versus uh, Pence. Anything to say about about what potentially could happen, Alice? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to this moment with um, deep anticipation. I just feel like Kamala is going to drag in. <laughs> <laughs> and I enjoy every moment. I, I'm like, this is the only good thing coming out of these debates. Is just because Pence. I mean, he'll he'll try to pivot, and Kamala, she's brilliant. So she was a lawyer. She exactly yeah. a lawyer. She is going to she gonna drag him up and down that little arena. She gonna run circles around my man, or not oh, my man, but that man. Right. And sorry to that man. That's all I have to say right now. <laughs> I disagree, man. Oh, uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Pence is a dude who one, his voice never changes. He can lie with a straight face, right? And <laughs> knowing, knowing, knowing how women are judged in this country, particularly black women oh, yeah. are judged. Like, there's, there's like a level of dragon that she can't do. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like nothing in her. Uh, like her win loss, as far as this goes, will not be her dragging him across the floor because that will be a loss. Yeah, right. It so needs to be. It needs to be facts. It has to be facts. It has to be like it's tough, right? Like it's the black woman's plight. Like if we really, yeah. and actually it was Hillary's plight too, right? Like it's 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 a powerful women's plight, right? Because again, like as Toyin uh, schooled everybody uh, day one. It's the what's the coefficient? The likability, competence, likability trade-off. Yeah, right? and and that and really like she's not debating Pence; she's debating that tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. you're you're absolutely right because this is exactly what what failed Hillary. Everybody yeah. saw Hillary perform, and everybody thought she was just a robot PC. Her, her competence was high. I her likability agree. was low. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I agree, but only to I understand. I get that that point, but I don't feel like it applies as much. Because this is she's the VP and not the president. Here's the true. thing, but Dad, also, also Biden is old as fuck. That's true, but also see. But nobody's that. thinking like that. I mean, I don't think I'm any, thinking like that. Like I, I like I, I, you, would, I would bet. I would. I would bet. I would bet. I would bet a uh, uh, a paycheck, maybe multiple paychecks, that Biden does not finish four years. You are thinking like that because you are hypersensitive to age to the age of people <laughs> in government. Watch, I, I've been watching Biden. You, but Biden is not the same as Bernie. People don't see them as the same. Bro, I, listen, bro, I, if this was Bernie, I would not have this this concern. 
I've watched like we you can watch clips from Biden in 08 and Biden 16 and Biden now, and it's not the same person. This it's, dude is a different person. He yeah, he's have old. His grandkids on his knees, and he should be fishing. I don't feel like people. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think he's quite old. I think everyone is. No, he is quite old. You have to think. No, he I think quite he's old. quite. He's old, but I think that you are super sensitive to people's age, and I don't think the average voter is as concerned about that as you are. As you are, in that they're looking at Kamala and judging her like this is about to be our next president. So let me see what she said. I don't think anybody's thinking that. To be honest. I don't no, think anybody's thinking that. Not Alex, anybody, but I question? don't think I don't think as many people are thinking that as people as Siba. Is Alice. trying to portray. <laughs> Alice, you're new to this conversation that we've been having for the last mm -hmm. several weeks. How do you feel about age limits? And is Biden, are you concerned about his health? Mm. Yeah. I mean, okay. Do I think he's yeah. going to like fall dead tomorrow? No. <laughs> but, and I also yeah. agree with Julian. I think you're overestimating people's like concern for Biden dying tomorrow. I think that they're voting so. for Biden. In fact, Here's the thing. I actually think Kamala doesn't have anything to lose because people, the vote is already decided. People know who they're going to vote for. You These, think? Not, I yeah, think I don't, yeah, I, I don't think. I think so. I don't think, I don't think the VP, I don't think that VP debate is going to move the Andy needle Field. enough for it to, for it to actually be a factor. No. I think, I no. think I agree with Alice on that. In fact, she has something to lose from her base if she doesn't drag him. Oh, but man. Is, but, but is, is Kamala known as a dragger, though? Is she like a professional dragger? I just mean, Bro, no, no, no. yes. Like, yeah. Her I remember the one that we posted. I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe I, I need to go back to the, to the, uh, to the blog to see her other. Uh, no, Kamala's tough. She's, she's tough. Every time she's, her, all of her hearings and stuff like that, just like Siba's saying, she's tough. I mean, in the, in the presidential Democratic debates, whenever she was first up there, she was pretty. She puts, she gets her teeth in there. I, she's, a, I mean, that's what she did for a living okay, was right. drag people. So I don't okay, think right. she could turn that off, even if she wanted to. Okay. So maybe I, I think, it, I, maybe but I, I agree with YouTube's for. Uh, I agree with Alice. I think people know who they're voting for, for the most part. Yeah, but I, I, I don't do, think I think the debate the debate's going to do anything. But I think not, people want to see. I think people want to see the competition of. Of the VPs, uh, I think that's what I think that's what Americans like to see. Is like who's looking at who's looking at Pence for anything, please. Pence could have been our president if the Corona did its. I mean, if the Corona. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what Pence's voice sounds like. Shit, <laughs> you would have known. Corona, it's corona very monotone. The word. monotone. Just know that it's very monotone and never. Never changes levels, no matter what. And he's going not on. charismatic either, nope. and that's not going to work for him nope. as a man. Nope, he's a robot. Listen, Pence. We Pence, like charismatic Pence. leaders in the United States government. Period. Yeah, that is true, bro. We he are suckers 45. for. We are suckers for people who can make us smile and laugh, bro. We are. Nope. Bro, we are that people with big personality. People with personality. That's what. That's Mister Forty Five. The electorate of America is dumb. Now <laughs> you don't. This have to. is. No, I have to say, this is why I feel like lowering the age limit is fine. Because <laughs> new people have been voting without kids. And look look at what we've had. Charisma <laughs> is what people vote for. That's bullshit. Who, what, when has that ever solved the problem? Anyways, I digress. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get back to the, back to the yeah. show. <laughs> All right. Bullshit. So, yeah. what? <laughs> I, think I had to get that one last one in there. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think this is uh, what we're going to touch on is something that definitely applies to what's going on in our everyday lives. And I know it's something that we've we talked in the most of ourselves. So uh, on the topic of allyship, I think it's very important to talk about because, I mean, there might be people out there that don't know what it is or how it applies to to our uh, our space now. So. I, we'll just go around the room and we'll just, I mean, we'll just talk about it and just, you know, we'll just allow the conversation to carry us. So we'll let Alice start since she is the, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and this definitely applies to her since she is a, a white woman. So, yes, thank you for pointing that out. Yes, since, yes, I mean, yeah, because it's not, it's not like particularly clear, like listening to you. I mm -hmm. think you need, you need to hear a voice from the other side of that. So my first question is, is what is allyship to you? And um, why do you think allies are necessary? Wow. Yeah, this question, um, you know, it's really close to my heart. I think about Black um, liberation a lot. 
and I think about the suffering of Black people um, in our nation and the Black people I know and love. And so I'm always asking myself this question and it changes. Like, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm still learning what that means. So first and foremost, I think allyship lies in being a learner. And this goes for, you know, obviously we're talking about Blackness, but I think it also goes for LGBTQ um, issues, immigration issues. What does it mean to be an ally on the outside of that? First of all, I mean, allyship does imply this sense of privilege. So it's an outsider that obviously isn't identifying within the marginalized group, but is advocating for and participating in the ongoing work towards liberation. Um, so yeah, I think it's an acknowledgement of privilege, one. Two, listening, deep humility, learning constantly, being willing to be wrong, and yeah, just participating in the ongoing growth towards progress and justice. Eesh. Uh, I mean, this <laughs> y'all should know that Allie reads, okay? Man, man. <laughs> no, she, this is Allie. I'm just gonna say this really quick. Alice is one of the smartest people. Oh my god, and most well-read people that I know. So, Eesh. wow, Twain, you're one of the smartest people I know. Okay, so that means okay. a lot. We don't gotta do all that. But I'm just gonna say, like, even for her answer, like, you, you know that she yeah. she's in there. Yeah, that yeah, that that's fucking spot on. Honestly, I, I don't. <laughs> I mean, everything that everything you said is pretty much pretty much what what I written down whenever trying to gather my thoughts about how to um, this first question. Uh, I mean, you said everything. Like education is key. Like me educating mm. you is you educating yourself because if I'm educating you, then this, this ain't it. Like right. this ain't for you. Um, <laughs> the, but the main, I think the main thing is that it's not. It's not conditional. It's like there's no there's there's no conditions. Not if unless you do this or do that. No, it's like if you're gonna be a, if you're gonna be an ally, then then you need to be you need to be ten toes mm. in. Like this is what this is your walk. This right. is what you're gonna do. So yeah, Siba. Yeah, man. Like like I'm already like getting a a, a bit like a, a, like a tiny bit emotional right because <laughs> <laughs> because like so. You know, like our listener base is very diverse, actually. Like we have a lot of white listeners. We have um, a lot of listeners who aren't black, who aren't uh, African, who aren't African-Americans. But, you know, like episode one, we talked about like how like our focus is on like the, the black plight and the black struggle and just like how regular life affects blackness so you know we've talked about things from the office and school and our upbringing and 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 police brutality and we just talked about a, a ton of stuff right and so like i know the people that i consider to be allies in in my specific life right like you know kind of hearing how you uh responded to that like i hope that they know that i know that they're allies if that makes sense right like i i hope that mm. like they know that i I hear them and I see them wow. and I understand that they're asking the questions and they're doing the reading and they're and they're um, acknowledging that they're acknowledging their privilege. And, you know, MLK said it that, you know, the, the biggest danger to the progress or to black liberation is the white moderate, you know, like it's the person <laughs> right. who. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's not the case. It's not to do with the KKK, like because we know what to do with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not the dude that's going to call you a nigger mm. with the hard R. Like, it's not, it's not, we know what to do with him or right. her. You know, we know what to do with Karen. You know what I mean? We know what box to place mm. them in. But it's the person who is neutral. We don't know what to do with, with that white person. Right. You know what I mean? We don't know right. what to do with the, with the person that you work with every day that you're just like, well, you know what? I don't think that they say nigger or they don't, you know, they don't hate black people. But, like, are they trying to see us mm. come up, right? Yeah. And so that's why, like, that response is so touching to me. Because it speaks to a very specific person that we need in whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish. Like, if we're trying to stop police brutality, we can't do it without this specific type of white person. Yes. So mm. uh, that's why I appreciate you coming on, Alice. And, and I appreciate your response because that, like, that's why that touched me so much. Because we're not going to get anywhere without that specific type of uh, white person. Yeah, you got to be willing to risk it all. Lay it on the table. Bruh.
Truth or Flies fly swatter devices are the new hot items flying off the shelves. We have recently seen an influx of flies hovering around people, and especially when people talk and it smells like shit. We have net and electric swatters available, so when you hear lies and flies, grab that swatter. Now for the rest of the pod. Yeah. Torn? Sorry, I was muted. Um, I honestly, Allie and I have had so many conversations about the Black experience and what role what role she should play and what role I should play. And we've, we've done a lot. We've had a lot of hard conversations. We've had a lot of arguments, honestly, yep. um, a- around this mm-hmm. topic, mm-hmm. Uh, calling each other out constantly on different, <laughs> different things. So yeah, I think, <laughs> I think something that is often missing from what I see from other, other people that I may know in my life that are, that are white is they are not motivated to learn on their own. So I have a lot of people in my life, or I know a lot of people that from an emotional standpoint, they, they images of brutality, images uh, from, from slavery, images of racism, from the Jim Crow era, all of that would touch them, right? They would feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they may even empathize, but not to the point of, of action, not to the yeah. point of inconveniencing themselves and giving up their own time or resources to learn about the role that they play, how they're complicit, and then what they can do to combat that in their yeah. own way, right? Yeah. Because we're talking about really high level systemic issues that can't be changed, some of them without policy changes, right? But at the same time, there's things that we can each do as individuals that make the journey a little bit better for the people around us. And yeah. I feel that that kind of action is missing from a lot of the people that I know. And they expect me to, and the burden is on me to educate the burden is on me to package the information in a way that's palatable no. to, to them no. as an audience. And that's right. something that I think, it, you know, when we were in college, I would do that. I would try to, you know, be agreeable. I would try to make sure people understand. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I would try to, you know, walk on eggshells around the conversation. But that's exhausting for a yeah. lot of but for all of us, for all of us who are, you know, part of a or identify with or part of a marginalized group. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's exhausting on top of already being in a society that isn't for you, that wasn't built for you and trying to navigate those spaces. So for me, I think that's really the key that I would say makes like the difference between allyship and, you know, empathy, maybe not even empathy, but other, other things, you know, maybe a performative, you know, thing that we kind of, what we see on Instagram of people posting all these things, but I'm like, But when they interrupt the black guy in the meetings at work, you don't say anything. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. or whatever. So, yeah. So I'm just when we talked about doing this, it brought me back to whenever George George Floyd was killed. I remember just processing that with with my wife and she uh, received a, a call from one of her friends that was white. Uh, it brought me back to like some of the a couple of the quote unquote friends. I thought I think it bothered me when. George Floyd happened and I didn't hear from them or even after, like, even now when you still seeing people dying on, and it's being exploited on TV and you don't, you don't hear from them, but you see them reaching out to you asking about like, Hey, can you help me promote like my, whatever you got going on in my head? I'm just like, fuck you, man. Like I thought we were better than that. Like I've known you for 20 plus years. You've never said nothing, anything once. You've all you've done is stayed in the middle, like, hey, I don't want to take this side. I don't want to take that side. Not even like reaching out, like, hey, man, are you okay? Anything like that. But I've spent the time in like reaching out to somebody, like they got something going on in their life, like maybe a family member is sick or whatever, and just telling them, like, hey, I'm here for you. I'm praying for you, this and that. But you can't even do something like this where you know this is affecting a, a, a group of people, even though it's not helping me specifically, it still affects me. And you don't have nothing to say. I don't talk to them no more. Like, like you don't, you don't, you only care to a fault. You'll say certain things or you might post something, like you said, performative, but there's no, there's no real action behind. There's no real feeling behind. You're just doing it just to make it look like something that is not, I, I don't, at this point, I don't, I don't want that, that those type of people around me. I remember I even had, there was a, a girl that uh, I played flag football with and we're friends on Facebook. And she put out a question when around the time George Floyd died also asking like, Hey, is there anything that I can do to learn what's going on this and that? 
I, I, I sent a response and I said, bro, you need to, I didn't say bro, but I was just like, you need to do your own research. Here's an example. Go, go look at the 13th amendment on Netflix. That would be a good start for you. Outside of that, it's not my job to educate you on what's going on. Like you're 30 something years old. You're too old to be asking me, how can I help? There's too many resources. You made it through school without, without having, uh, having limited amount of resources you made it through. Why can't you look through any type of history? of our lifetime about black uh, the black struggle you can't you need me to tell you come on bro you've uh you've hit on a lot yeah the feeling the feeling is deep i can tell yeah it is it, it, it really is body. yeah it no, really, really is it really bothers it me yeah well yeah it's like a betrayal you know it's it's a betrayal yeah yeah i feel yeah and i think i it feels like a betrayal because these things are happening over and over and over again you would think at some point that you would reach out and say something like not, and this isn't even just like me talking about like people that I've known for a long time, but this is even people that affected like that my wife knows for a long time that she's called best friends and they're doing and it's the same thing. So like that bothers me too. Like you're supposed to be better than that. Like, but I know it's not affecting you it's, uh, personally, but but you know it's affecting your black friend, and you and you choose not to say anything. <sighs> No, no, that's not. No, I can't. We can't let that fly no more, man. You got you got to let people know, like, you're wrong. Like, this this is not just my fight. This is this is everybody's fight. Right, right. There's this great quote that I love by she's um, an activist in Australia. And she says, you know, if you're here to help me, then you're wasting your time. But if you understand that your well-being is tied to mine, well, then we can work together. You know, it's that it's that mutuality. It's that deep hmm. that yep. understands that your my flourishing is tied to who you are and your well-being. Hey, hey, yes, hey. yes. Damn, like so, like I, I I think you know you know Gene, like like your experience is is very different from from my experience as far of like as 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 far as um like the white people that I'm close to. Right. Like, because like, I, I think about like from high school, like my, uh, most of the people that I'm like really close to that are white, either I work with or I went to high school with weird, like nobody from college, but that's a whole other story. Right. <laughs> um, but like my, my high school white friends are just, they're amazing. You know, they, we, we, we could bring them on as well, you know, like to kind of have this same conversation because they're, which is why I think I got emotional when Alice was talking, because, you know, I feel that from them you know what i mean like after every episode they're in here they're they're talking they're they're asking questions they're engaging they're sharing they're doing just all like they're learning and and i truly appreciate it you know what i mean like they're amazing mm -hmm. and then my coworkers who are white and engaging with the with the uh, podcast and with the conversation or with like what's happening and like just what's happening out there right like they you know what i mean like i i've never felt betrayed by somebody what what we would call like a white moderate like somebody i know is like a good person but just doesn't understand like i haven't experienced that and i think the reason is because i'm i've been very selective with the white people that i've gotten close to if that makes sense right because like Again, I don't want to go back to how you articulated it at the beginning, Alice, but like your sentiments and your statements, they're not like easily communicated by everybody. That makes sense, right? Like that's a very specific conversation and thought process and one that is rarely shared by, you know, white people who I keep at an arms. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, if, if, if I could kind of ask the question that Gene asked, and heard the answer, like the, the question that we asked to start this episode to Alice, and then heard their, their answer. Like, if you could ask every white person that question, then you could decide right then and there if you're gonna let these people into your orbit or not. You know what I mean? Yep. And, but we don't get that privilege, so we just have to kind of like figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think at this point, the survival of black people in this country, it takes so much energy. You might as well just ask. Hey, <laughs> <Just laughs> hey, that's a good point. I mean, you could ask because then if a person was just like, "What do you mean? Why are you asking me that?" Then you already know they're not really. Hey, they're not. They're not if you if you roll up to somebody, and you're like, "Hey, so what do you think about ally shit?" 
and they immediately are like, well, this is what I think, and this is how yeah. I see myself. Bro, well, let's role, go I see... fashion. What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, if they jump into that answer, they say, this is what I see my role being and all these right. things, then that's right. somebody ha that has taken the time to think to about think. how they are about, just like what Ali said about recognizing their privilege, recognizing their complicity, and then saying, okay, how am I going to move towards justice and, and march in arms with, with the people that I know and love and that deserve and are worthy of, of relevance in this society that we live in and in the civic space, you know? So I think you could really start asking people that because at the end of the day, I, and I think for myself, I'm having like a realization right now because I'm already not, I'm already consciously and sometimes subconsciously not building relationships, actively building relationships with white people because of some of my experiences and because, mm. and because of some of those betrayals that I felt where I thought that I, I thought that me and this, these people had an understanding. I thought that we were all viewing, that we had the same worldview and the same values. And then situations happen and I see their response and things are not aligned. So ever since those moments, I kind of decided I'm not really going to build relationships with white people. I'm really not going to spend energy there because what has it gotten me? <laughs> you know, like more times than not, it hasn't gotten me anywhere. So, hmm. so I'm not going to do that. But I could really be missing out on really rich relationships from people that do want to support me and do want to fight for me in spaces where I can't really fight for myself because my word and my uh, my presence doesn't really mean anything or it doesn't have as much power or weight in every room and that's just the facts you know what i mean i i have i have uh, a question for uh gene and toyin and and alice i'll come to you in a second um do the do, do the two of you feel like do the two of you feel like you you being a black male gene and toyin you being a black woman do you feel like these things have adversely affected your let's just talk about career like do you think that these have adversely affected your career prospects because of your lack of relationships with white people uh yeah i would definitely say it probably has just because uh whenever I'm in their spaces in those spaces i don't i i tend not to interact because I, okay. I i'm already in defensive mode like they don't give two shits about me i'm just gonna be i'm just focused on let me do my job that's it and get up out yeah of yeah but I, I, I do feel like, like Tony would say, I do consciously like do that whole, like, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna stick to myself and that's it. And I, I know that, and, and like you're saying, I do feel like that's a detriment. I do need to find a way to I'll not allow like that my prospects of, in terms of like work in future state, I shouldn't allow that to be mixed. I should be able to separate the two and I need to learn how to, to navigate that. Mm -hmm. I think that's, it's a hard question. For yeah, me it is. That's why I asked it. Anyways, it's a hard question for me because I am very good at compartmentalizing. Okay. In the sense that when I'm in the workplace, I know how to play the game. Okay. So what I would say is, I think, and I might be ca casting myself a little bit, but that's fine. I don't think people, too many people that I work with listen to my podcast. Um, You'd be surprised. You would be surprised, but I've gotten... <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't gotten any feedback from anyone I work with, but I would say that, you know, I think that people, if they were less focused on caught up in their themselves, right. If they took the time to notice me as a black person, they probably would notice that I don't really, that I don't really deeply engage with people that are not black in the workplace. Thanks. But because a lot of people I feel don't really pay that much attention to me, in that way, they, if you ask a bunch of people that I work with, they would all think that we're, we're, we're best buddies because, okay. because they don't, they don't need to notice me. And the only time that they notice me is whenever I'm with other black people. Mm. Cause whenever I have a team on my, when we were in the office, uh, my manager, we've all kind of separated now, but when I first joined my company, our manager was white and then we had four, uh, four people that reported to him. Three of us were black women. And there was one, uh, one girl who's a Puerto Rican. And the only time and the rest of our team, except for one guy was, was white. 
And the only time people noticed what we were doing was when the three of us, Black women, were together. And they would always be like, oh, where are they going off to? What are they doing? Right. But other than that, they didn't notice me. All right. So uh, the next question I have is, uh, what is your definition of white guilt? And how, how did you or how do you uh, deal with it? And Alice, I mean, obviously you're the mm. only white person, so. Yeah. <laughs> but we all got to. But we all got to. No, we, uh, we do have. A, we, have, we do have a definition. Yeah, we all. Yeah. Have a we all have yeah. to deal with it, though. Yeah. 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 I mean, white guilt is it's when you start to see what how whiteness has white people have been oppressive, and mm. then you have to deal with the fact that you are white, your own whiteness, and what that means that you're complicit in the system. You know it coming okay so my thought is that white guilt hopefully is the beginning of empathy but it's a little premature because it's still me centered hmm. so you want to move from that place and use that deep empathy and grieving that humans are suffering in this white supremacy culture you move from that place so it's using that same energy of empathy and grief to go towards action that is other centered, that doesn't have a narrative that centers me. So good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have anything to add. Like <laughs> no, I was gonna say, I was reading today about, um, you know, a little bit about white guilt and the, what, uh, I forgot who the, I guess, sociologist or psychologist that talked about this, I forgot his name, but he talks about the impotency of white guilt. And how often what happens, um, just like Alice was talking about, instead of moving into a place of empathy and white guilt and grief to empathy to action, there tends to be a cause for like minimizing racism or trying to say eradicate those conversations to soothe one's guilt um, instead of recognizing it and saying like accepting what is white supremacy is what it is accepting it and then moving to action there's a lot of people that then would rather just kind of pretend that it's not still a thing and that is something that i feel and i know we talk about this all the time but i have to bring it in and that is something that happens a lot with white evangelicals yeah. <laughs> it, it is the it is the impotency of white guilt that says Oh, y'all are being divisive. This is polarizing conversation. We need to move to unity, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, that's basically white fragility. Uh <laughs> when when a white person can't deal with those type of discussions on basically racial equality. So they'll withdraw, they'll make it about their feelings or they'll just straight out deflect. They'll tell you like, "Oh, this this conversation is too uncomfortable. I can't why do why does it always have to be about race?" Like that's what we live in. Like, this is what was built before us. And that's why we're here where we are now. Like, it's like they never, like they, they as a people have never built up the tolerance to talk about these discussions because you have like our education system, you have your family at home. Like these are things that y'all just don't talk about or is never shown. So if you never talk about, it, you never see it, like it's not even, it's not in your environment. So of course, all you want to do is deflect them deflected because you're not taking any type of ownership because it wasn't you specifically that did it but it was your ancestors before you that that has caused where we're at right now and people i, I feel like they need to again that goes back to the allyship like part of allyship is that you take responsibility even though it wasn't you directly but somebody within your lineage is the reason why we are here where we are right now right you, you know so what's so um kind of difficult about this like it's twofold right one is that because of our, call it our, our parents and maybe our uh, generation's affinity to like thinking white is right or like trying to kind of get approach uh, proximity to whiteness, like that, that is its own problem in and of itself, right? Like those, those yes. are things that we can control, right? Yes. And, uh, but like another part of this is that like, you know, like there's some, some people who just like don't see how they're diminishing blackness and and um you know uh alice you kind of touched on you know part of this conversation is about the lgbtq uh, society as well right like that that we we don't you like racism like some racism don't recognize their complicity or how yeah yeah they are you. contributing to perpetuating a system 
of white supremacy. Right. Thank, thank you. Thank you for helping with my words. English is not my first language. <laughs> um, but but yeah, that that makes that 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 always makes these conversations very difficult, right? It's just like, yeah, listen, I know you don't say nigger. You know what I mean? Oh. And I know that you like you're not, you know, wearing uh, you know, you're you're not going to, you know, white power rallies and just all this shit, right? Like that's not how your kind of your privilege is demonstrated, right? But like, like guess what? Like you've never felt uncomfortable in the workplace because of the color of your skin ever, you know, like that's the thing that's never happened to you. And so because we, you know, we work in diverse industries and people, the South is more diverse than you people think, right? Like my office is a diverse office. I'm sure you guys work in diverse offices, but it's like still the, 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 the base rightness is whiteness, right? And, 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 and white people not having to kind of have to, deal with that or kind of, you know, uh, go come face to face with that makes some of these things very uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, mm. you know, and mm -hmm. so it's always us, always, it's always us uh, as minorities, black, brown, thinking about how we can continually make ourselves palpable to, to whiteness and tolerable. And like, we're trying to keep the peace and you know what I mean? Like we have to learn white norms. We have to, learn white bands we have to watch right. white television shows like you're never going to walk into the break room and talk about what happened on martin that's never going to happen <laughs> <laughs> you know and and i can and, 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 and the last thing i'll say about this is that i i could i have always been able to tell when any place that i've ever worked when black people haven't learned how to assimilate to the culture and it's not that they're doing anything wrong but they don't know how to code switch and that shit is detrimental to their prospects. And that's sad as fuck because they can do the work. They've gone to school, they've got the education, but because they never learned how to code switch, their career prospects are, are, are dwarfed. Yeah, so for you, Alex, I just wanted to know, because we do have lots of different people that listen to this podcast, what that transition was like for you coming from the feeling, the initial feeling of white guilt where your eyes are open and you recognize that you're complicit in a system that is so violent towards people that are not like you mm. um, and how you move from those feelings into actually to empathy and, and action, knowing mm. that like your privilege and the fact that you have a privilege, have privilege mm. is gives you a responsibility. Um, and like what that mm. practically looks like so people can kind of maybe apply some of those things. Great question. Sure. So I think, um, you know, any part of activism requires self-reflection. Like if you're going to do activism, if you're going to partake in justice in the system, you have to be relentless in thinking about yourself and how you contribute to the problem. Um, and looking for opportunities to see it shift. So, you know, I was very much gifted with having really positive examples of Black people in my life growing up. Um, so I had a good base of, you know, I had foster parents, you know, I grew up in out of foster care and homeless and in different situations. And I had Black foster families that took care of me. You know, I had Black um, spiritual mentors. And so that was helpful. Um, but then as I got older, you know, really in 2016, when, you know, the election just flipped everything and revealed the white culture that I was immersed in, I had to deal with my own whiteness for the first time. And that's when I would say that I, you know, was hit with white guilt because I always wanted to identify with the outsider, right? Like. I much I felt much more at home with the idea that I belonged in black communities. But the truth of the matter is, is I have a privilege and power that I have to reconcile with. And it is different um, than the experience my black friends have in the world. And sure, they can advocate for themselves, but there are spaces that I'm welcome into and that I have a responsibility to speak to. Yeah, it's just different. So I think the grief of knowing that I was always going to be an outsider was um, in, in the sense that like, I couldn't just identify as a, with the black community predominantly. Right. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. I hope so. Preach girl. Preach. Keep going. Keep yeah, going. So, <laughs> so, 
yeah, I think the more that I recognize, like if I really love black people, right? If I remember my foster mom washing my hair and, you know, my spiritual director journaling back to me in my deepest, darkest places, if I really love those women, I have to be active. And if it, and it has to be in my bones, it has to make me angry, you know, it's got to move me forward. And so I think I just have gotten to this place where I am antsy to see things change. I'm so, I'm not satisfied with where we're at. I'm desperate to move forward. And so I'm, I'm using that empathy and anger and, um, what I hope is love for people to move forward and participate in something that's much bigger than myself. Yeah, that was, that was it. And it sounds like, and a key component, what I, what I hear you saying, cause I know that uh, for you, you know, you talked about having experiences when you were younger and there's probably because segregation is a thing. <laughs> there's probably a lot of people that don't, necessarily have those experiences but it sounds like a key component of making that transition or that movement from guilt to empathy to action is relationships and cultivating deep and meaningful relationships with people that are the outsiders people that are the other um and it's and that's something you know as your friend that i know that you do and so for people that are listening that want to cultivate allyship and being good allies you need to have relationships with people that are not like you and not yeah. relationships where you're bringing in all of your privilege or you think you're better um, and have a savior complex, but real life on life relationships where you're just living life with people that are different than you and validating and learning about their experiences. And instead of immediately trying to discredit what they're telling you they're experiencing or find an explanation or justification for why they're experiencing what they're experiencing, just accepting that that is their experience. Right. I mean, so my experience, it does kind of, I I get what you're saying, you know, and sometimes it makes me feel like I'm like when I'm talking to black or white people, I feel like I'm hitting up against a piece of glass. You know, it feels like no matter what I say, it feels like people don't listen, but I do think there is enough information out there there is enough, like, if you want to see or learn about racial justice, if you want to be serious about it, the information is there. So yeah. I think, and, and I also think, here's, James Baldwin said that racism is the sickness of the white soul, right? It's a white problem. Why is racism a black issue? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, white people should be about their own work. And it doesn't, it shouldn't be incumbent upon black people to be their friends in order for them to get it. But you understand that you're quoting James Baldwin. (laughs) (laughs) You're quoting James Baldwin. And that is just indicative of your experiences, right? Like for you to to read or listen to James Baldwin is something that speaks to who you are specifically as a person, right? And that, and, and honestly, when we start talking about like black people coming up and like how we want this country to look it's for people to be able to like be individuals in their thought like my like my my take on like uh like a white woman who's quoting james baldwin like i already know that this is a person that i can kick it with yeah right like my my concern is that that is very specific to you and who you are and your experiences and how you've come up. There's black people that don't know James Baldwin. Like they can't quote. So that's what makes it so hard for me, right? Is that you are definition of an ally, but you're very specific, right? Because you're one of the people that I can name as someone who can read the room, read history, read the present, read the future, know how we can get to the future. But like, how do we get you to be yes exactly how do we get you to be them you know because there's more of them i'm around them 
Yeah, I'm not around you. But the first, but the first step is get all these old ass white people out of office. Uh, <laughs> that's what it sounds like you got to do. I don't got to say nothing else, man. <laughs> man, I listen. I ain't got. I, I ain't got nothing else to say either, man. This is honestly like as we close this episode, like this is one of like the more positive kind of endings that we've had uh, because. <laughs> Oftentimes, like I finish a recording and I'm just like, let me go downstairs and grab this old fashioned or this because <laughs> What we just talked about was so heavy. But this, Alice, I really appreciate you coming on. We're going to have you on again. This yeah. conversation was is important. I think um, the diversity of our listening audience, the people are going to listen to this, you know, later when they finally, you know, find work from home. Um <laughs> This conversation is, is just like evergreen and important. And, and I, I can't wait for us to have this again uh, for Eugene and Toyin and our guest host, Alice. Really appreciate you guys tuning in to uh, uh, Walk From Home. Uh, you can find us on all streaming platforms, Spotify, uh, Apple, Google, just whatever. I don't know what else people use. Um, you can, <laughs> we're, we're, we, we are on, Twitter, we're on uh, Instagram heavy at Walk From underscore home. Um, follow us, DM us, subscribe, ask us questions. We're on Facebook. Well, we're not on Facebook, but we're individually we're all on Facebook. So just hit us up there on Twitter. We're at Woke From Home. Um, really appreciate you guys tuning in. This has and been a great Allie experience. Ali, where can people find you? Where uh... <laughs> I'm mostly on Instagram these days. At yeah. Fry Oh My F R Y O My. Fry Oh My. We're gonna have that on our uh, episode link. Um, you guys are great. We're approaching 2,500, 3,000 listens. I don't know why y'all listen to us, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, we love it. It shocks me every day. It shocks me every day. Chad, people still asking about you, baby. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, until next week, man. Y'all be good. Go and vote. Oh, yeah, that too. Good morning, friend. Is your friend beyond now, love?